Want to know more about the common blind spots in your supply chain? Remember to check out episode 24 with Paul Kundeko. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about the best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put the sexy into your supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Hey listeners, welcome back to the Two Babes Talk Supply Chain podcast. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick, and today we have Sheena from MSH back on the show by popular demand, but this time we are designing your distribution. Sheena Repath has spent her previous life in the trenches of the Canadian fashion industry, working with major brands and retailers, traveling the world, learning the ropes, and what it takes to succeed in today's market. Realizing that her passion was in helping others, she knew it was time to translate her expertise and contacts into a powerful platform to help entrepreneurs build test and launch their dreams. MSH District, a fashion startup fund was born. Welcome back, Sheena. We are so excited you could be here with us today. How are you doing? Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. The last time was so much fun. Like I was seriously jacked for like two days. <laughs> well, that's what we love to Honored. hear. <laughs> love to hear. So let's get started. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what designing your distribution means, what it entails, and uh, then we can get into why it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I really love this topic for one huge reason, and it's because entrepreneurs are designing and developing innovative products. And everything they're doing is innovative, and everything they're doing is challenging the status quo. Yet when they go to selling their products, so distribution, everybody thinks going online and going to retail are the only two options. And even worse, that they have to do both of those options. And it kills me to see so many great products that just fall flat on the market because nobody has put the thought into, or I shouldn't say nobody, most startups in the fashion and the consumer products space have not put the amount of care and attention that they do in their product into how they're going to sell it. And it's like, guys, e-commerce and retail are not the only options. And actually, you know, some of, some of the products we see in the market today shouldn't be in those platforms. And uh, so, yeah, that's designing your distribution is all about looking at what's the problem that you're solving and can you solve it through your distribution channels? And really, where does your customer want to engage with your product? And what I mean by that is, and a good example is, imagine a brand has developed a hand-tailored luxury leather goods. And let's say the bag, their bags, and they go for $5,000. Does anybody think that a customer who's the woman who's purchasing those bags is going to want to just go into any old e-commerce site and put down $5,000? No. This founder has developed a product that is handcrafted with the finest materials that are locally sourced. Do you not think that that customer is going to want to engage and get that entire experience when she's trying on the bags and she's feeling them and before she makes that purchase? So putting them in e-commerce and hoping for the best, you've just killed the months and maybe in some cases the years it's taken to build this product. So it's really about designing a distribution model 
that not only works for your big vision, works for your customer, and distribution could also be a way that you could enhance the problem solving that you're doing with your product. So distribution just happens to be one of those things that I think so many startups overlook and they think that going a traditional route is the only option and that's why I think you you know we need to start talking about designing our own distribution models. That's awesome. So what are some of the channels that people can take a look at or entrepreneurs can take a look at when they are looking to design their distribution? For sure. Well, there's like there's standard distribution models, right? There's there is retail, there is e-commerce, there's mail, like mail order. And I know when we hear mail, it's not uh, mail kind of sounds like something that's like old and archaic. But things like, you know, those uh, distri- are not distribution, sorry, those subscription boxes, those are really great models that are coming up. The whole pop-up shop, right? You don't need to go uh, traditional bricks and mortar retail, but pop-up shops. So that's kind of like taking the retail model and just refining it a little bit. Um, you know, figuring out whether you're going direct to the customers. So like, are you selling to them? Are you going to have ambassadors or people that are on the ground, affiliates that are selling for you and selling on your behalf? There's just, it's really about looking at what are you trying to do and how are you trying to do it? And, you know, there's quite a few brands that are out there that have created their own, their own models. And it's like, they've really taken into account the fact that their customer is looking for something specific for them. And imagine, and this is something we talk to with all of our clients, if you're going into e-commerce, you have to have the money and the time and the team to invest in serious marketing. Because if you're going online, and there's nothing wrong with going online, you just have to be smart and savvy about it. If you're going online, you are competing with every other company and idea that's going online. Whereas if you looked at your customer and just thought, well, where else could I reach them? Where, what does their day look like? And how can I just simply insert myself into their day? It's, it, it creates such a powerful experience for the customer that you won't need to sell in many other places. <laughs> Right? You just have to come up with one or two of the right places. Yeah, and that's that's one of the points that I was going to uh, just sort of mention. Like, it could be a combination of this. It's not, you know, one versus the other. But I also wanted to ask you, so pop-ups. Can you talk a little bit about pop-ups? Like, what are they? What do they mean? I mean, they mean different things to different people. Are they, you know, one day? Are they two hours? Are they, you know, five days? Are they strategically placed. I mean, it's it's an interesting concept that I don't think a lot of people have explored. Yeah, and so actually our our retail landscape is really relying heavily on pop-ups. So a pop-up is a pop-up shop, which means you aren't paying rent there. You're not on a lease. You're not a permanent fixture. You may pop up in a mall. You may pop up with inside of a major retailer like the Bay. Uh, you may pop up at an event. You may pop up like on Queen Street. And what it is is it's you setting up with a brand, the company setting up a mini shop. So maybe you don't have, maybe you aren't in retail. Maybe you're only online. And so a pop-up shop really allows you to have that one-on-one experience, that live experience with the customer. And pop-up shops, the experience that people are creating, it's 
really anything is possible. The sky's the limit. Like people are doing all kinds of things. Some people are, you know, having a band in there and and creating a very uh, uh, musical type of experience. And then they just happen to have their product there for sale. Um, some of them, like I'm not sure. If, I think you guys know uh, Brika. Brika. Yes. Uh, these ladies do pop-up shops all over the place. And one of their first pop-up shops was inside of the bay. And it was like, how do we create an experience? Because selling their goods in the bay would have just fallen flat, right? Like, it's just, you've got to think about in a big retailer like that, just having your products on a shelf or on a rack or on a table, like, who the hell's going to see that? Nobody. And it's not up to the salespeople to, to guide and direct the customer. You know, so some people do stands and displays, but doing a pop-up shop, obviously it's a much bigger commitment, but wow, what a presence. Like, they got to set up an entire shop and stock it full of product. And last year, when Bricka did a pop-up in Yorkdale, they had a craft room. So Bricka is all about a well-crafted life, about supporting artisans from around the world who create these incredibly gorgeous wares, from paper products to textiles, everything. Please go on their website. You'll hate me forever because your wallet will be coming out like every 30 seconds. But in the back of this pop-up shop in Yorkdale was a craft room where they held craft sessions and had people in speaking. And that's where a pop-up shop, you know, I think a pop-up shop is just like a retail store. But because pop-up is so new, people are tackling it like an experience. Maybe you're doing screen printing or crafts or different things like that, and really you can pop up anywhere. And things that are going on, the big malls, I would say, it may be a little bit more challenging, but bigger malls are using pop-ups to fill the void um, in leased spaces when maybe stores have moved out, but nobody else is ready to move in yet. So you can get in really cost-effectively. It's not costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars to lease. On places like Queen Street or Main Street in towns and cities, like, there are tons of places that are up for lease. And really, who wants to look at, you know, a for lease sign? So being able to go in and set up shop, it could be for a week, it could be for a month, it could be for a purpose. Maybe you're launching a new product. Maybe you're showcasing artisans that you work with. Maybe it's Small Business Week or maybe it's the Women's March. And if your product is attached to something like that, doing a pop-up shop is a great way to drive marketing, bring people in, let them touch and feel what you're all about. And it's just really experiential and an a awesome platform for people to just get in and, and see what's going on. Like everybody loves a local, a local shop and some brands are only online and a pop-up really lets them do that in a cost-effective way. Yeah. So you mentioned having product there to sell and that's kind of my next question. You know, do you, do you pop up and channel your sales through your online store to be shipped or do you actually have inventory on site to fulfill orders or is you know are they playing around with samples and and they're touching feeling the product but they can't walk away with it i'm just trying to get an idea from a supply chain point of view it could be experimenting for a new product that they're thinking about coming out with and and that's the best thing so i would typically say you're always going to have product on hand and the reason for that is is when a consumer is hot and excited about something that they've seen you want them to to uh, exchange and be able to get that product right on the spot 
but at the same time, maybe you have limited quantities, and maybe part of this is to drive more on, online traffic. So people can, you know, get a few things. Maybe the other assortment uh, is there on a display, and they can purchase it online. Maybe you have POS systems that allow them to purchase through your website for the other items there. Again, unfortunately, in this case, the options are endless. But something that I love that you guys have touched on is this is an incredible way to bring your customer into your product development process. Right. right? Like if you've got new things coming down the pipe, it's new ideas, new programs, new initiatives, like this is a perfect platform to speak directly to your customer and invite them to be part of its either unveiling or its development. And you'll be able to get direct feedback. Like, forget, you know, sending out surveys online. Like, that would just be amazing. So, you know, something you may, people could also, excuse me, consider doing is, you know, we work with uh, Peace and Cotton in Toronto. They're an amazing manufacturer and screen printer. And they have this ridiculous live unit. And what I mean by that is they actually bring the screen printing to pop-up shops and events and live screen print products right then and there. So there's so many different things you could do. Um, but I think from the standpoint of product, pre-selling, I would say 100% you want to have some products there. You don't need to have everything there. Maybe you have your biggest, hottest sellers. People definitely want to have um, access to their e-commerce if they aren't going to have everything there so that people can buy and you can ship to them later. Um, and, yeah, any new things that you want to showcase, this is a great time to get real feedback and, and engage with your customer. Yeah, what an, what an interesting um, sales channel. And it's kind of exciting because you can, like you said, you can really do anything with it. Like, it's not something that's just, you know, tailored or in a box. You can totally think outside of the box, get to know your customer. And I just get think, to do even experiments. Like, say yeah. you want to bring this new purse out that you think is going to be the next best greatest thing and then find out that no one really liked the fabric or whatever so you know to make yeah. some changes before and the thing that i find is really in. interesting in this specific channel is big retailers like the bay pretty much any big retailer out there is really struggling to create something that is new and interesting to be able to drive traffic to their stores so if your brand or product or business has hype and has a story and has something interesting that you can create around a pop-up shop inside of one of those guys, it's a win-win because these guys are really struggling to connect with, with customers and engage with them on a different level and not just having, you know, crap hanging on racks that nobody really cares about. Mm-hmm. A pop-up shop, it gives them, it's a great marketing piece, it's a great conversation starter, it's, it's great new news to, you know, attract more customers. And it gives something experiential, which that's what everybody wants. We don't want to buy things from people that we don't know. We want to meet the founders, and we want to hear the story, and we want to touch it and feel it and see what the process is that you go through. And and that's how it becomes like a cult-like following. And so that's where I think pop-ups are something that major retailers really need to be looking at. Like, get your head out of your butts and, like, let's start looking towards creating something and it's no longer the retailer's responsibility to create that. They need to start looking to the startup market and saying, hey, guys, like, let's play together. Let's yeah. bring in what you're doing you know, and create some buzz and, and something interesting. And that's where Bricka really nailed it with, uh, with the Bay. 
it was beautiful what they did in there and something very entrepreneurial for the bay which was nice to see so like a, a pop-up in like a bay or or any of the bigger um chains out there would they like just take over like the men's section or the women's section or or would they just have this little corner and just try and oh, promote no. it a couple of weeks Rick before it was a full-on store in the bay hmm. so and they had like it? a whole section and they actually set up like walls Okay. And so it was like a shop in shop. And they were there for a while? Yeah. I think they were there over Christmas, maybe for a month. Okay. Yeah, okay. That would make sense. And I guess I guess it's a combined sort of marketing effort, yeah, combined well, investment. And, and then they would also, when yeah. they're promoting it, they're going to say, oh, and we're at the Bay. Everyone knows where the local Bay mm-hmm. is, right? It'd be in one of the biggest malls around your area. Mm-hmm. So exactly. And I think, too, like back to designing your distribution, like stepping back in and thinking about like what what do you want to create as the experience or the hype or the conversation with your with your brand? You know, so having because Bricka is hundred percent online and they're all about connecting with artisans and the products are unique and gorgeous and luxurious and so the customer never gets to touch and feel that and their brand is so such a touch and feel thing that being able to have the pop up shot, I think it really just became part of their strategy. Where can we pop up? Who can we pop up with? Who would love to have that artist artisanal feel um, and that whole gifting market? So it really becomes about stepping back and deciding, well, well, what do we want it to look and feel like and what strategies and channels can we use to make that happen? Yeah, and I think another interesting channel that you mentioned was the affiliate. Um, I think that that one has so many different ways to go. Um, so many different directions. I think that it would it can also encompass, you know, startups working together um, to really create that buzz and, and work together around their unique products to get it out there and, and create communities and things like that. Do you want to just touch on on that one as well? Be- just because I think it's coming up in popularity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for in the past, like I said, you and I have talked about affiliate um, on and off and I think it's such an old word that startups kind of stay away from it. And what I've found in the last year or so is people are calling it different things. It's still an affiliate channel and it's still an affiliate program, but they're calling it like ambassadors and, you know, all of these these different uh, names that they're coming up with it for. Um, But no company ever went out into the world and succeeded all by themselves. So to me, affiliate is just relying on your community and your people to help you to spread the word. And if that becomes the model that you want to follow, then it's about looking at it and saying, okay, like what can, what's the value that I can create for them? And the same thing goes when you're working um, startup to startup. Like there's a ton of startups that can rely on one another because you're complementary products, you're in a similar sector, um, or you know products that are trying to branch into new segments and grow their reach that way. Being able to rely on one another and say like, hey, like you know we're great together. Let, let's do something. Um, I just I think that is I think it's such a great channel because you know nobody ever uh, made a million dollars on selling one by one by one products yeah but for whatever reason startups feel like they got to go online and they got to sell one friggin product at a time it's like no like 
what are you trying to do here? You're trying to sell one to many. You're trying to change lives and impact the world and leave your mark and make money. And you've got to sell one to many. So how do you, how and where do you sell one to many? It's yeah. not online. I'm telling you right now. Online yeah. is great. Don't get me wrong. But that is a slow, painful death of every startup because they need to get the traction. They need to generate revenue more than one item at a time. And so we just need to start looking at other ways to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And like affiliate can mean, you know, through like the ambassadors, like you said, an ambassador program through social media, you know, getting out to those influencers, working with those influencers to, um, you know, help with your brand. It's it's about, you know, startups working with startups and, you know, um, promoting each other's, you know, products that are in the same same categories maybe or or the the that would reach the same communities in in different marketplaces and stuff like that so i think along with the pop-ups there's just so much um there's so much freedom um and so much opportunity to be explored within that distribution channel and i think it's really only just people are only just starting to touch on it now for sure and i even think about you know models of like stella and dot right so i don't know how many I feel very familiar with Stella and Dot, I think just because of the categories that, that I play in. Um, but, you know, Stella and Dot is a jewelry company that uses um, members. So people sign up, they buy their product, and they are resellers of the product. And a lot of people get this, like, icky feeling from these, like, resellers. But it's such a great model that creates opportunities for everybody involved is a great way to spread the word and spread the message. But the thing that I really love about it, it's like what other sectors could be using this model? Yeah. What other segments, what other categories, what other customer um, segments could be benefiting from this? And that's where I think it gets really interesting is when people take models that are used and channels that are used in other places and start bringing them and introducing them into new spaces. It's the same with like, the subscriptions or like mail order, not mail order brides, but that's you know, what I went to order. right away. <laughs> I, I was like just picturing some Russians like, oh, or, or somebody coming across getting married. <laughs> oh, sorry. As a entrepreneur and a mom, I've got a, a sick babe upstairs, but yes. So, you know, the whole mail concept allows people to get a subscription it allows people to collaborate, get a bunch of different products in an in a, a box or a kit and get it sent out. And it's just such a great way to sample, test, and have residual income of products. You know, I don't know why more companies aren't looking at this as a model because if you only have one product to sell, why not collaborate with a few other products, get something in a subscription or mail order type of model, and now we're off to the races. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's a lot of freedom there as well. I mean, it doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be, you know, samples. It doesn't need to be a bunch of, it could be, it could be samples. It could be, you know, a bunch of different products that have kind of come together to make this subscription service. It could be 
all of your products that people are you're giving them the freedom to choose on a regular basis what products they want to have in, in hand you know what colors do they want to want to look at when it when it comes to makeup and things like that so i think i think that there's a lot of freedom with that so what are the key elements to getting your distribution channels right for your business we have another guest Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> i'm juggling the band at the same time that's okay Sorry, what were you saying? What are the the elements of... What are the key elements to getting your distribution channels right for your business? The number one thing, uh, let's say number two, two number one things. (laughs) One is like, what's the problem that you're trying to solve with your business? That's like number one, because most people try to solve a problem. Most people try to solve the problem with just the product. And actually... The distribution can also help them to sell the product. So um, I was just going to try and give you a really quick example. It'll come back to me. Do you want to take a break so for two first, minutes just yeah, to deal with one, Jacob? The first one is like solving a, like a real problem. So like, like the bags, right? Like with the $5,000 leather bags. Your customer is not buying that online. So you spending the time and the money to set up e-commerce is just a waste. (laughs) So just think about, like, the experience that people are going to have. And then the second thing is really that customer. Because I have seen thousands, I'm not exaggerating, of startups who totally ignore their customer, go a distribution channel that's traditional and just out there, and end up with something that just doesn't work. And so then what ends up happening is the customer, or sorry, the founder, they start looking at the business and thinking, I'm not making sales, nothing's happening. And sometimes they start shifting the product, discounting it, changing the product on a whole, or closing up shop altogether when really the problem was just they couldn't, reach the customer where they were trying to sell. Yeah, and I think e-commerce is is pretty interesting because, you know, as an e-commerce business, you can really drill down into the traffic and really get an, a sense of who your customer is, where are they, which pages are they going to, what products are they visiting, where are they going to afterwards? Like if they're looking at your product and then they're going to look at an article online, Yeah, and you know what I find is really interesting, and this is what I wanted to kind of touch on today, was the thing that I find really interesting about e-commerce is what um, Gilt did. Gilt Group? I'm not sure if you guys, if you're familiar with them. No, I'm I'm not very familiar with them. Yeah, so Gilt, they've been around, I, I would say, since maybe 2009. Two girls founded it out of New York. And what they wanted to do is put sample shopping online. So all the, like, big luxury brands. You know, sample shopping, I've been in the business forever. Sample shopping and being invited to sample sales is, like, you've, like, <laughs> you've reached the pinnacle when you're invited to these sample, sh- sample sales. Because the problem with sample sales is, like, you've got to be on a list. You've got to know somebody. They're not advertised. They're usually in some back alley but it's all these big, beautiful brands at a heavily discounted price. So women, like, line up for hours to try and get in these things. 
And so what these guys did is they put the sample sale online. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, what a cool idea. But imagine, they even took it one step further. So a sample sale, it's for a limited time on limited days, right? Not everybody can get there. It's very private. But e-commerce is, is open and available. Sorry. Poor Jacob. I feel bad for the little guy. 24-7, right? It's available all the time. So it makes the idea of sample shopping, it kind of loses it. But they took it one step further, and they decided that their e-commerce shop was only going to be open at noon every day and only open for an hour. Wow. What, so what happens? Women are on the website waiting for it to be 12 o'clock. They're buying stuff. They aren't thinking about it. They aren't waiting till tomorrow because they know it's open for an hour. Shit's going to fly off the, sh- off the site. I better get it now. And what I love about that is where, you know, it kind of came out hard on e-commerce. There's a lot of ways to do e-commerce differently, to, to not offer everything all the time, to have limited product or limited assortment on limit, for a limited time. Right, like there's there's great ways that you can do something unique or special with e-commerce, just like Guilt Group did. If if you haven't read it already, by invitation only, is there the book about them? It's amazing. I'm gonna have to check that out. But it's you know it's about creating demand. It's about creating that exclusivity. You know, how do you make your customer? Um, feel important and feel like, you know... They're wanted or, or what they want, their needs are fulfilled, I guess you could say. Yeah, and yeah. that that product is, you know, what they want and they can only get, get it, it at a certain and time. And they need like, to have it, yeah. Yeah, and they need to have it. That's that's an amazing, amazing thing. And I think that also talks furthermore to, like, the problem they were trying to solve was putting sample sales online. Well, putting sample sales online, somebody could have just done it and had it open all the time, and they would have missed the boat. But by really following through and dissecting, you know, what makes sample sales fun and exciting for people, and then how do you take that online, and I think that's where they were really successful. That's awesome. So um, why don't we wrap it up, and um, why don't you tell us what's next for MSH? MSH, man, oh my gosh. We kicked off 2017 with a bang. Um, We've got some exciting news coming down the pipe where we have taken everything that we've done over the last two years and distilled it down into the long... I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. (laughs) I have a a sick little monkey here. (laughs) Um, He sounds like he's starting to start his engine there. (laughs) (laughs) I I keep sitting down... And he wants me to walk around. <laughs> um, yeah, so MSH, we've been doing tons of things over the last few years, and we have finally just distilled it all down into the launch of the very first Fashion Startup Fund. So we will be launching over the next two months, more officially, the first ever Fashion Startup Fund that will invest in startups building innovative products. Uh, and this investment is no strings attached so we'll be launching more about how they can apply and get access to the money but yeah we're really excited to launch the first ever fashion startup fund that is amazing oh my god i'm so excited to see what happens 
happens with MSH and with this fund, I mean, I think that startups are just, you're just going to be getting all of the applications just pouring in. So are your distribution channels working for you? Well, check out another great resource MSH has given our audience on our website, twobabestalksupplychain.com. Thanks so much for being with us, Sheena. Thanks so much, guys. And for everybody listening, don't be afraid to charge your own path. Think about what matters to you. Think about what matters to your customer and go out there and design a distribution channel that will just have your business rocking. Awesome. Thanks, Sheena. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Thanks. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep the orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and dropship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. To get your free assessment, visit them at icecorplogistics.com and check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. Next week, we are getting into details of rentable supply chain with Lisa from Rent, Frock, Repeat. Don't miss this episode, guys. We are your hosts, Nick and Sarah. This episode was produced by Mike Mizurik. Thanks for joining us. And remember, people, ship happens.